When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, today's guest is Keith Buckley, lead vocalist for the Buffalo, New York metal band, Every Time I Die. Together we take a deep dive into the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the fan-favorite song, Planet Shit, taken from their 2021 album, Radical. I told Keith that this was one of the toughest songs I've ever had to break down here on Krista Makes a Podcast. Clocking in at almost four minutes, Planet Shit is an unrelenting and uncompromising pummeling. Keith mentioned that he usually writes the lyrics to their songs after the music is completed, sometimes relying on old lyric books or phrases he jotted down in the past that he feels best represents the song at hand. I told him that it's a true work of art to compose lyrics and write vocal parts over something as jarring as this track. Producer and mixer Will Putney absolutely killed it with this song. Some of the most sinister and nasty guitar tones I've ever heard committed to record. And Keith's vocals? Well... They absolutely rip your head off. The lyrics to this tune are pissed off, literal and believable in the sense that you can really tell Keith meant what he sang here. And I love learning things on this podcast, both music and non-music related, where today Keith enlightened me that Buffalo used to have a professional basketball team. Who knew? I sure didn't. For all this in a seemingly out of place tambourine part, stick around. Well, hey, Keith, how's it going? It is uh, going very well. We just had a spooky afternoon at a haunted house with my family, so winding down. Very nice, very nice. So are, are you in uh, Buffalo still? Yeah, yeah, in the heart of Buffalo, New York, yep. Buffalo, New York. If you haven't been there, uh, some of the most brutal winners I've ever encountered. Brutal, brutal. <laughs> also, I, don't, I realized that a lot of people didn't realize this uh, the other day. We actually used to have a basketball team in Buffalo called the Buffalo Braves. They became the Clippers and the NBA didn't let Buffalo keep any of the titles they had when they became the Clippers. So I think Buffalo should get a, a professional basketball team again because the city is missing it. I think that's a raw deal. I yeah, didn't know that. It really is. No, I, I kind of thought it was like common knowledge because <laughs> I'm not a basketball fan because we didn't have it growing up. So, I mean, I watched, you know, I liked Michael Jordan. I, I was just a fan of Michael Jordan as a kid. So 
you know, I but I, I wasn't able to go to any games or anything. And I think that the Buffalo, my upbringing in Buffalo would have been different. It didn't all come down to the Buffalo Bills all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't think we were going to start this off this way. This is, this is good stuff, though. I like this. We could just probably, uh, real time, real time, real time with Keith Buckley. Yeah. Well, hey, I I got to ask, you know, I've had every kind of songwriter on here, songwriters that, you know, write the music and the lyrics, write some of the lyrics, write some of the music, uh, uh, contribute just a little bit, but contribute enough to where it, it sparked the idea for the song without them, they wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And you and I spoke the other day and, and you had mentioned that you, you write all the lyrics and you said, yeah, I really can't help with the music. I said, don't worry, I'll do all, yeah. I'll do all, I'll do all of that. I got all that taken care of, but I'm intrigued by this song in particular, first of all, this is one of the most brutal songs I've ever heard in my life. Like Thank brutal you. to where like I wanted to go out and like smash things after <laughs> I listened Thank to you. it. Yeah. Good. Like just, I mean, got me fired up. And Good. I got to ask, as a singer, because I know I've done this. Mm -hmm. I've written songs nowhere near as brutal as this. This song's almost four minutes long, three minutes and 56 seconds. Mm -hmm. Have you ever written a song you don't think about it because you're piecemealing it in the studio and you get to take breaks between vocal takes, mm -hmm. but all of a sudden you go to play the thing live and you're like, what did I yes. do? Yes. I, I created a monster uh. here because, and I went and watched you guys at Louder Than Life Festival. I watched a bunch of different live videos of this song. Yeah. You, kill, you kill it, but what's that like going out at a festival? Like you're, you're one of the early bands that yeah. they had one in the afternoon and you got to, this song does not let up. No, it's it unrelenting. Doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. And I, that was one of the things that I, I, I was cursed with through my whole life was like getting into the studio and being like, oh, I forgot that I have to do this live. Like this is where I didn't plan for any breaks. I like, I write it like it's just going to be a machine doing it, but it's not. So um, yeah, that was, uh, I, I remember the very first time we ever played it was at uh, like Brighton Academy, I think in the UK. And uh, yeah, it got to one of the parts. And I was like, Oh, I forgot that I'm supposed to breathe like a normal human being. And I was just gassed gassed so uh i hope there's no live recording of that version but, well uh, it eventually i just eventually just learned how to do it and and you guys are still a, you know very energetic you're running around too and you know yeah. some of these some of these venues are tipping 100 degrees you're playing these mm -hmm. outdoor festivals and i had to ask because you guys are rooted to me in hardcore there's definitely metal elements there's definitely what i would call maybe even thrash metal elements mm -hmm. here but you know uh, hardcore tracks were like you know 58 seconds a minute and a half sometimes two minutes long yeah. again this is four minutes it doesn't stop i yeah. mean there's a couple little guitar things here and there i think the longest break you get is the four bar guitar solo at the very end of the song yeah, yeah. so i wanted to ask that and my next question is do you typically write lyrics ahead of time you do write it for the track like if if I was presented four minutes of this insanity uh, yeah. that, that is here, mm -hmm. I wouldn't know where to begin. It's intimidating. Yeah. And at a certain point, probably around the year 2000 or so, I just realized that it was just better if I just took notes all the time, you know, because I was writing books. Uh, I was trying to write scripts. I was, you know, doing a lot of, of music projects. And it was just like, there's just so much going on that if I kind of just sit down and try to get into the mood of each one i don't know if i'm going to be able to i got a lot i got a lot on my plate here so i just started keeping notes all the time and then when it would come time to sit down with a song you know i, I guess the process was just kind of listening to it a lot 
and having it like really engraved in my head. And then I would just kind of, I just kind of go through my notes and just see if there's any like line that I might've written any thought that I might've had that, you know, kind of speaks to the vibe of the song, but it usually takes a good, good chunk of time to figure out what kind of song it was, like what the attitude of it was, because, you know, they all had so much energy in them that I had to kind of figure out what, what, what exactly that energy was. But once I did, and I kind of get like a good line, maybe from something I had jotted down a few weeks ago, then I just kind of sit with it and just see where it goes. You know, it's a very unconscious sort of process of just kind of going with what feels right. Well, and you had mentioned that you used to write and take notes. That'd be like in the rehearsal space, I'm sure, because we didn't all have like voice recorders on our phone. And heck, yeah. my band didn't even demo in the early days. What, no. what was a de- What was a demo? You just jammed it in the rehearsal space and you, you went and recorded it. Yep. So yep. now now you can actually listen to a voice recorder. Or I'm, I'm sure you guys later on might have had your own home studios and were shooting ideas around. And that certainly makes it makes yeah. it easier. But you get to that point where you you've sketched out a lyric, you go th- go through maybe your old journals or mm-hmm. lyric books and you're like, okay, this kind of fits the vibe of the song and you write it. From that point, like overall I'm speaking with the band, when you present it to the guys, was it usually they let you just have your own vision or did yeah. they interject interject at that point? No, it was usually just just my own vision and I wouldn't necessarily have a a complete one until I got with the producer, you know, I would kind of leave a leave some room to to toy with you know, with cadences and things with that, uh, you know, things like that, that were a lot more technical that you don't really think about when you're writing the lyrics, because it's not actually about the feeling. It's more about like the structure of the song. Yeah. So I knew really not to get too, too married to any sort of specific cadence, um, especially with songs that are so technical because you kind of got to float over it or else it just sounds like, you know, you got, you know, there has to be some soul on top of it. So yeah, it just depended on the producer that we were with, you know, like who I, who I worked really well with. And I feel like, you know, Joe Barisi, when we were doing X lives had a lot of really great ideas for vocals. Um, I got the chance to work with Nick Raska Lennitz down in Nashville when I was, doing stuff with the damn things. And he was like an insanely hands-on vocal producer. I had not dealt with that before, but it was great. Yeah, Nick is Nick is awesome. Mm-hmm. He's, of course, done Foo Fighters. He's done Rush, a bunch of other stuff. I I, I love everything he's touching. Me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned damn things. And he, you got to work with him yeah. on the vocals. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's it, great. it was really cool. It was, uh, he just had cool stories about, you know, bands like the Deftones and stuff like that. And yeah, I was just surprised because I didn't expect him to be. Um, but he really, really got in there and, you know, I mean, he kind of just taught me how to let the music do a lot of the work and leave more room for it to create a vibe on its own. So once I learned that with the damn things, I, then I would sort of, you know, kind of went and implemented it with with every time I die. So it, st- I mean, it just has now sort of just kind of become just a process that, you know, I don't really, if it ain't broke, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always trip out. I, I have friends that are in a band with Scott Ian. That's just amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. That's like if you had told me that in 1987, Dude, I would have told you to go to go jump I, off a cliff. Yeah, I know. I still pinch myself. It's just one of those things. <laughs> it's like how life is wild. That is so wild. Well, you guys formed in 98. Your first album came out in 2001. And yeah. the song we're going to talk about today, Planet Shit, is from the album Radical, released on Epitaph Records last October 22nd of 2021. It was the band's ninth album. And it was produced by Will Putney, who uh, plays in the band Fit for an Autopsy. How'd that come about? 
he was just you know fan of the fan of the band and had uh come to us with a very specific like vision for a sound you know he sort of saw what we had done and accounted for it and saw what worked best and you know just kind of as a fan of the music sort of what worked best what he likes of all the stuff that we had done so he kind of came and and really fine-tuned a lot of the the pieces that you know were connecting most with people um right uh which was really it's a great perspective to have because sometimes you know you don't you need to, you need the fresh ears on it. You need the fresh eyes on it. And, you know, it's cool to work with producers that have done a lot of cool stuff, but it's a totally different experience to work with someone that grew up with your own music and now wants to, you know, kind of be involved to help it evolve. Yeah. But that's really cool though. Cause they're coming from a, a complete spot of love mm-hmm. and, admira- and admiration. So, totally. you know, that they're, they're vested from that uh, standpoint, which is great. Cause a lot of producers aren't, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. They're right. just kind of, you know, they're kind of over here on the side. Uh, I got to ask before we jump into the track, you know, a song like this, uh, how many songs a day? I know, I know what I'm good for in the mm. studio, depending mm. on the, on the, the challenge of the track. I'm usually good for about, you know, two, maybe I can press maybe. it if I break it up, maybe I can press it to three or right. maybe do, do two lead vocals and maybe get to some backups or something. But yeah, uh, where, where are you at with something like this? Two, it was like a two day affair to do, okay. to do all of it. Um, <laughs> but then I remember, I remember it just getting, a pounding headache during one of the one of the parts and i'll I'll wait until maybe i can pinpoint it. yeah but um yeah uh a pounding headache and i was like i gotta push it I, like oh, we're almost done we're almost done we're almost done we're almost done and i mean i listened to it and i can hear the pain in my voice because i know that i was just like i thought i was gonna throw up my head was just throbbing and uh we so we get done with it and i i finally i'm like like i can't i'm so stoked this song is done like this is one i was not looking forward to and he's like yeah it's great and then we'll start the backups tomorrow we'll double all the stuff i'm like oh my god i forgot about there's an entire day's just worth of extras to do so yeah, yeah it was uh trouble it was trouble for me well, I got to tell you, man, I, I'm an old punker, but I'm an old metalhead, too. I, I listened to all kinds of stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I got to be, you know, 12, 13 years old, the more abrasive it was to yeah. aggravate my teachers and my parents. I loved it. I love heavy music. I, I can't I, I got to be honest uh, in this. I'm not just uh, not just saying this because because you're here. This is one of the most brutal vocal takes I've ever heard in my life. It took my head off, man. And I, when I do these episodes, mm. I got to listen to the song like 30, 40 times. Yeah, I yeah. comb through it bar by bar, line by line. And I'm just, after the last time I listened to, I listened to it this morning and I, I went to soccer with my kids this morning and I said to myself, I can't listen to this song again. I have to, I, I have to just yeah. give it a rest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I don't like it. It's no, just, it, it's, the, look, it's that brutal. It that's And that's the thing, it, you know, music like that, it works on your psyche. And it's it's not you know you, you shouldn't listen to it all the time because it, it'll it'll get you angry when you don't know it. <laughs> no, this this song's great. And and lastly, and I promise we're going to jump into the track. I read the comments. I went to YouTube mm-hmm. and. Uh-oh. You know the well, no the comments are in the comments are insane and and I agree and again not just saying this because you're in front of me th- this band just never stopped evolving Mm-mm. you know this stuff is as or more brutal and the tones on this Will Putney yeah. he hit it out of the park oh yeah yeah 
the the production is just so good. Well, the song starts with an intro. It's a killer riff. Yeah. Hand off left, played three times, and on the third time, a chord rings out over an eight count on the hi hat to take oh, us in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to take us into uh, verse one. And I wrote here, Keith, the guitar tone here is sinister. It is uh-huh. nasty. It uh-huh. is. It's nasty sounding. Coming live from Planet Shit, our only hope was in a murdered kid. The one god we had went off the grid. No future with a racist past. Oh, but we can't acknowledge that. So we burn a cross and pray to a flag. I I felt with this record like I didn't know if I was ever going to get another chance again. I mean, you know, I I was... I think 39 writing it. I was old, old then, you know, it was uh, right before the pandemic in, in 2017, 2018. Personally, I was, at a lo- you know, a low point in my life and just getting lower. And uh, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm going to have a chance to do this again. And I feel like it would be really irresponsible to just pretend like there's not this entire cultural collapse around the release of any music i mean i'm you know singing in the rain is fine but like at some point you gotta be like okay well this is this is no good and we can't pretend it doesn't exist so you know i mean in 2018 that that song was written and nothing had happened the pandemic hadn't even happened yet the riots uh, at the capitol building hadn't even happened yet so already i felt like we were at we were at like the boiling point so the fact that it just come becoming like more poignant day by day, depending on what news channel you watch, um, it's really unfortunate. But it was written um, kind of like from the perspective of a, a news helicopter um, sort of overlooking a ride at the Capitol. I, it was a idea that I had and I was going to write about it and describe it. And it ended up happening a few months later. So it's uh, even more apt now. Uh <laughs> But yeah, it's from a news helicopter and it's sort of like, you know, kind of reporting on what is being seen. But I guess the the person, the, the person who's kind of reporting is also emotionally charged by what's happening because you can't be objective anymore. It's it, you can't say that you're not a political person So say you're not a political person these days means you're not you're not a humanist. You know, you don't. Yeah, it means you don't respect other people. It means you don't respect their you know their entire lives and that's not a political decision that's you know that's a a choice that you you make on your sense of humanitarianism and you know your virtues you know that's not a political issue so i feel like i you know kind of wanted to approach it from a more spiritual standpoint but using the symbolism of you know just the the literal shit show that it is really yeah well, again, you guys have a large body of work, nine albums, and some of the comments I read about this song in particular, and it wasn't in a bad light, but they were like, wow, these are some of the most, and I want to see if you agree with this, some of the most literal lyrics that Keith has ever written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And some, sometimes you have to go for the jugular and have to, it has to be literal. In this case, I, literal is not a bad word. It's right, great. Right. But, but do you feel that way? Yeah, about yeah absolutely. And, and you know, what's 
unfortunate is that a lot of I, I was going for literal, but the literal has such enormous metaphoric implications. I mean, yes. you know, one one building being seized represents you know the destruction of 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 a policy that's failed of a uh, of an entire you know economic perspective that's failed capitalism has failed democracy has failed it's just it's this is a symbol of is a literal symbol of this enormous thing that we have to address um i've never really shied away from the fact that i uh love using you know literary metaphors in, in the lyrics as much as i can but the absurdity of the reality is so much so that I didn't I don't even have to be metaphoric anymore. I can be literal and it's absurd. Well, and there's some lyrics here that we're going to get to that even if you uh, are blind to everything you're talking about, if you don't want to think this is a political song, whatever, you can still get behind these lyrics because mm -hmm. they make you want to fight. You yeah, know, like I said, right. it, 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 it gets your blood pump, it gets your blood boiling, which is what great metal music and hardcore music does. Well, there's a lot going on here right off the bat. Like I said, the, you want to talk about uh, knee jerk. This song is just every twist and turn and it's just pummeling. Uh, the stereo guitars, bass and drums are, are in on this verse. And I had here written, are the vocals double track? Because I can hear it. They yeah. sound like most of them are double tracked. And mm -hmm. obviously there's other parts where there's gang stuff going on. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Um, I believe Will kind of just had me double everything all the time. And then it was just sort of like a better to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it sort of thing. So he used right. it sparingly. But yeah, I, I believe that was it. Yeah. You know, and for the listeners, you know, when we double vocals, a lot of times we'll get one great lead vocal and then you, you double it up pretty good. And the other one will be tucked underneath. It won't be as loud, but it just adds this fullness. And with stuff like this in particular, this kind of music, it just gets it so massively heavy. Uh, I'm calling this a double verse because when we get to the line, the one God we had went off the grid. There's two bars of <laughs> my notes are funny on this one. <laughs> two bars of pure guitar riffage yeah. before the second half of verse one and then when we get to the uh, second half so we burn a cross and pray to a flag there's two more bars of that guitar riff and it's mm -hmm. completely locked with the bass and the drums mm -hmm. what's happening there it's it's so awesome we get gang vocals on planet shit murdered kid off the grid and the very last line so we burn a cross and pray to a flag i love where the gangs are here they don't they don't make sense right. either no it, 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 like oh they should be on the two and four because yes. it was like that earlier yeah, it's yeah. not like that yeah yeah those are conscious decisions <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's weird yeah but it's one of those things where it's it, you know it was just kind of like a signature for us of like ah, flip it up a little bit you know like make it make it weird if you can it's killer and by the way correct me at any point here because i don't know how you would label the parts of this song. So I'm calling the next part a pre-chorus, okay. but I, I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong in this thing. And by the way, I've done, I don't know, 130 of these now, yeah. Keith. I've never had a time going, oh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge no. out, yeah, ever. ever. This is the first This is the first <laughs> song where I went, what is going on here? I even went online to try to look and no one knew. This is, so, a, yeah, you, whatever you want to call it, I'll call it too, as long as we're <laughs> referring to the same thing, yeah. We, we, we are, and yeah. I... I, and and I love that I don't know what's going on here. It this is this is one of the biggest challenges to break down this song. Well, the pre-chorus. Hey, 
we'll wave it high. Hey, we'll wave it high. Hey, we'll wave it high. Those pigs are fat with pride. And there's gangs on all the haze there. Yeah. So that is kind of like where I was talking about. It's um, like if you can imagine from a news camera, it's kind of like, you know, imagine the crowd of, of ignorant, stupid, mean people, you know, chanting, being proud that they're completely they completely lack any sort of empathy uh, and they're chanting and, you know, supporting each other. And then the other line is kind of from the news for woman's perspective of like you know well they're they they love their pride so it's kind of like a like an eye-rolling moment of like yeah they they really are proud of themselves like they're destroying you know everything and they're still proud of it right on well the this part there's double time on the kick and the snare drum here and it's just so intense and right when you get done saying pride there's a one bar reintro of that intro riff mm -hmm. panned off left yes uh, panned off to the left speaker to set up verse two the karma wheel is flat. Even the Ten Commandments cracked. There's no law when the outlaw wears a badge. That, you know, it's pretty much what happens when there's no agreed upon authority figure. And, you know, all of these these things that we're trying to rely on in our own half-assed way with whatever sort of belief system we might have set up it's not going to work for us. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to work for us when we need to really make a choice um, and fight because I think that what I was really trying to express with the song above anything else, above any of my displeasure or disgust at the way that this country is run is that, you know, it, it will come down to good versus evil. Like that's just all there is to it. I mean, it, the, you can't, both sides this anymore you know this is you either are a person who acts out of love and good faith or you're a person who is angry and spiteful and lies all the time and does not want to see other people happy you know so it's really going to come down to that i mean are you willing to fight for other people who just want to live or are you going to fight for other people who want to fight against other people Hey everybody, we got lots more with Keith Buckley after a few words from our sponsors. Hey Chris. Yeah. You know what I'm really excited about? What's that? This month's sponsor, Rockabilia. It is awesome. I was on their site again last night. It's to the point now where I need to stop spending money, even with the discount code DEMAKES. I've already spent over $180 just in the last like two days. Well, at least you got the 15% off for using <laughs> for using the discount code. Chris, I was on there. I was looking for gifts. I didn't get this for you, but I was looking at the Wham t-shirts on there. They have a they have a Wham last Christmas t-shirt, and they have they have an amazing one that has Andrew and George on it that's a jitterbug. They're like doing the jitterbug <laughs> on the shirt. And I was like, 
damn, Chris would love this, but I ended up not getting it for you because I was like, I don't know if he'll wear it. Would you wear a Wham t-shirt? I would wear a Wham t-shirt, and I'll tell you, you know, you know I live out in the sticks, Chris. It's like, yeah. you know, a half hour to civilization. So for me to go and look at rock shirts, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a commitment, the drive there and back. So this has been kind of perfect. Not perfect in the sense I've spent so much money, but it's been perfect. I go on their site, super easy to navigate. And hey, with a discount code, Demakes, you get 15% off. You can't go wrong. For sure. They have over 500,000 items. Everything is officially licensed by the artists, and it features bands across a wide range of genres. They have more band merch than any other company or website. And we're not just talking about t-shirts and hoodies. Dude, they have everything. Toys, ashtrays, belt buckles, coffee mugs. I mean, seriously, everything you could imagine from every artist you can imagine. Rockabilia.com. Use the discount code to makes to save 15%. It's the perfect place to go to get a gift for yourself or for a loved one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I assure you that is And now, back to the show. What's interesting here about this verse and the pre-chorus number two that we're going to talk about here in a second, this whole time, there's no more of those gang vocals. It's just all you here, which I think is really cool. When we get to the line in the verse, last line, there's no law when the outlaw wears a badger's one bar of that guitar riff again. And then we go to what I'm calling pre-chorus two. So throw a brick, throw a brick, throw a brick, the tool becomes an instrument. And on the first two lines here, there's a call and response, a backing vocal panned off left of throw a brick only on those two lines. Why not the third line? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't think it needs to be there. I just, I, yeah. as I'm, it's so, it's so interesting, Keith. When I do this, I, I, I don't just think of the music between my it. ears any anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at it on paper. I can see it. Yeah, I love and, it. And when, and when you see it on paper, you're going, wait a second, shouldn't there be something there? It looks weird. <laughs> I think really, to me, what it feels, I don't know if this was the intention or if this was just the wonderful result, but to me, in my head. I see it as a gang vocal and then someone steps forward to singularly lead it to the next step. Yeah. So I don't know. It works because it, I, I picture like, you know, visually. So that's that's sort of what that has come to mean to me. Well, then we get to what I'm calling the chorus mm-hmm. and the band goes to halftime here. It is so heavy and there's some really cool guitar string bends in this part that just sound just nasty. The, t- the, the tones on this again, uh, you, you guys did a great job. Will Putney, uh, he just killed it on this. Whose fucking side are you on? 
this is that lyric in particular I was talking about. No matter where you think this song is coming from, who can't get behind what it says here? Whose fucking side are you on? Whose fucking side are you on? When all the lines that were drawn are washed away in the blood, whose fucking side are you on? That lyric just itself, whose fucking side are you on? It just says so much. And it needs, I felt like it just needed to be said that simply. I mean, it, because like I said, it's going to be a clear decision that you either want what is good or you want what is bad. And the, the thing about this is, is that it, it needed to be stated very clearly because the decision is going to be very clear one day, I believe, just the way that this whole world is going. But it is a conditional, and, and lest anybody think that I'm like uh, condoning violence or anything, I'm not saying that anyone choosing the side is drawing the blood. What I'm saying is nobody who we're relying on is going to care what side any of us are on. So we might as well get on the same side fast because... When everything's, you know, covered in blood, there's it's going to be hard to see where borders are. Gotcha. Well, I'm, I'm calling this next part the post-chorus. Post-chorus number one. And just when you think this song can't get any more brutal, it goes to this part. And I'm just like, what is going on? What kind of What kind of heaven awaits someone so cruel and afraid? But they gated hell. You could be living well in your private hell. That one is for anyone in the listening audience who, um, you know, might believe in heaven and hell. If you want to put it in those terms, uh, here's those terms. You know, there's political terms, there's spiritual terms, there's humanistic terms. Here's some religious terms, you know. If these people are claiming um, that they are, you know, representing God and, and fighting for virtue, then what sort of heaven is that where these people who are such hypocrites are going there? You know, it just it comes down to uh, if you believe that these people are truly virtuous, then it makes you question the structure uh, that they're representing, the institution that they're representing. And who mixed the record? Did Will mix yeah. it? Yeah, I believe so. Will, one of his guys. Yeah, I should know that. I should know that. That's something a singer doesn't know. I mean, <laughs> well, there's some cool stuff going on here. That's why I had asked who mixed it. So on this first line, what kind of heaven awaits someone so cruel and afraid? There's a great drum buildup this whole time mm -hmm. with the band. And on the word awaits and on the word afraid, the bass goes up an octave and does this like, like string bend. Mm -hmm. It's just such a cool cool thing that happens there like this octave thing yeah and then but they gated hell your vocals panned off right and you could be living well is panned off left and uh -huh. it comes back it comes back center for in your private hell and yeah. i love that yeah. i love that after but they gated hell there's a dun 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 that happens and that th same thing happens after you could be living well and in your private hell and what's happening at th those moments on those dun dun duns with the drums and the guitars and the bass it's just it's so cool in between that vocal it's great but they hell. You be living well 
in your private house. It creates a space, I think, especially with the, the panning of the vocals. You know, it makes you feel like you're just in a big empty room and that everything's far away from you. But that big empty space is full of this just insane stuff that you don't know where it's coming from right but i don't know if uh, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around what i'm about to say and, and and for the listeners i don't really think they know what goes into this is an art form what you did with this song for instance the dun dun duns in this part like you could have sung over that and left the spaces right. in the parts you did sing yeah you know mm-hmm. no well, yeah that could have been what you did but you you went the opposite way yeah those are conscious decisions uh, and i mean yeah. and and it's what, just something that you know you can attest to it just from the experience of recording it's the experience of writing and just being like i know for some reason this sounds more intense than this so i'm going to go with a you know and it just becomes like where you really kind of set up these different scenarios like how does the song feel if this part's here? All right, replace that part with this part. Now, how does the song feel? And you really put it together like a puzzle. Yeah, it's interesting if if this music, though, would have went to 10 different vocalists or five different, uh, yeah. they all, or lyricists, it all would have come back with something different. And I, I can't imagine this song being any different. It's perfect as it is. Thanks, man. We get, we get into what I'm calling pre-chorus three. So give them rope. Let's give them rope. Yeah, give them rope. This part of the song happens more than any other part of the song. It could almost be argued this is kind of a chorus, but it doesn't feel like a chorus. But man, this part, and it's now a double pre-chorus on this part. We get it twice. So give them rope. Let's give them rope. Yeah, give them rope. Or the guillotine. Better yet, the guillotine. Oh, yeah the guillotine we get that call and response again on the first two lines of give them rope they're both panned off left again on the third yeah give them rope there's this crazy riffage with this amazing drum fill that happens there before the second half and we get a gang vocal on oh yeah the guillotine the last line yeah. it's just so heavy there uh, that, yeah and it's uh it kind of makes it feel like well uh, you know to me um, it makes it feel like, you know, there's a there's a crowd gathering and each person is yelling something well, the same thing, but they have a different voice, you know, and so you're hearing these different voices in a crowd sort of but the music behind it is the voice. Yeah, no, it, it's great. And and here I am at this next part going, what the heck is this? And I sat here last night in headphones. It's like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm just sitting here, just staring at the, at, at the lyrics, staring at this part going, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I came up with my own thing. Okay. Because the next part's definitely a bridge after this. Yes. But I'm calling this the bridge setup. Okay. All right. <laughs> so it's like the bridge. It's a blueprint. It's a blueprint Yeah, well, because you, you don't get this song does not let up. You don't get a musical part where you're like, okay, this is a musical interlude. Right. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna let the vocalist uh you know maybe get some oxygen, take a sip of take his a drink. Bathroom and, break. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get go have a smoke, but not <laughs> yeah. in this case. This just keeps going. This is the bridge setup, I'm calling it. Honesty's not a virtue when you're a lying piece of shit. You're a soulless hypocrite. 
What kind of heaven awaits someone so cruel and afraid? We get that lyric again. Love is not a virtue when you're a heartless piece of shit. You're a soulless hypocrite. And man, who can't get behind this? Honesty is not a virtue when you're a lying piece of shit. Who doesn't who doesn't feel that or ever want to say that in their life? Yeah. I mean, and how do you how do you fight for the virtue of honesty when you're fighting against someone who doesn't respect it, you know, who has no honesty, who's not, it's, you're not talking the same language, you know? And I love that the only time you get a gang here is on that middle line of the five lines, the third line, what kind of heaven awaits someone so cruel and afraid? The other lines, especially that first one, honesty is not a virtue when you're a lying piece of shit. It sounds more personal when it's just you singing yeah, that. Yeah. And I talk about that a lot on this show when there's no harmonies on certain things or no backing vocals on things. It's just one voice. Right. And it, ha- it has to be sometimes. Yep. Totally agree with you. Yeah, that was meant to feel very uh, intimate, we'll call it. But yeah. Right. And this whole part, the drumming is just insane. Yeah. Insane. Like some of the best, coolest mm-hmm. rock drumming, uh, metal drumming I've ever heard. Absolutely. Uh, the guitar, bass, and drums are playing crazy counters off one another and the guitars and bass are playing these really killer like descending runs it, it, it this song makes my eyeballs feel yeah. like i'm at a ping <laughs> at a ping at a ping pong match yeah. it's yeah. like what is going on and then we get into what i'm calling the bridge and again the band goes halftime here and the guitar and the bass progression is just pummeling here Monsters, we stand no chance without your heads. You fucking monsters, we stand no chance without your heads. I want heads. Mm, yep. It's uh, just a you know mythological David and Goliath reference where it's really the giant is too overwhelming. You know, you kind of got to just go for the one thing that you know will uh, will end end it all. So you know, you got to find that that source that the head of head of the beast. But yeah, it feels too overwhelming at, at times. Well, you get those gangs on monsters. You get it on no chance on the third line on monsters on the fourth line on no chance, and then you get the gang on the very last one. I want heads, and it's just it takes your head off. It it's so heavy. Coming right after this part, I'm calling it post-chorus two. We already had a post-chorus one. What kind of death do you find? That's any different than mine. What kind of death can you buy? That's any different than mine. And again, on this whole line, we get that drum buildup again with the band. And on the word buy and on the word mine, that bass octave thing happens again. I talked about a little bit ago. Kind of goes up and does that bend. And it's yeah. just, it's like, whoa, like where did that come from? It's it, it's a really cool part. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I said, I can't speak for a lot of the decisions made musically but i you know i can speak for where i put the the lyrics and the vocals on on top of the music and i i feel like this kind of marks maybe the halfway point of the second round of this song because like i re- like when i'm writing it i have to like really break it into patterns and then smaller patterns and then smaller patterns and smaller patterns so i feel like we've passed the halfway point and it's almost like it's going to go back to the beginning, but then all the stuff is tweaked again and you you kind of you like lose your, your place. 
Right. So it, again, it's just, it's kind of overwhelming and you, you feel like you know where it's about to go, but then it changes up on you real fast. Yeah. Now I, I talked to my producer this morning, Chris, I said, dude, this has been one of the most challenging songs to try mm-hmm. to figure out what the, A, what the parts are yeah. like in terms of like, what, what is this the chorus? What the arrangement is, right. what, what is this next part? And there's just so much going on. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> very challenging. Well, after this line, there is uh, two bars of uh, a buildup and then the guitar panned off left for one bar and we get into what I'm calling pre-chorus four okay this is that part that keeps happening this is another double pre-chorus here so give them rope let's give them rope yeah, give him rope or the guillotine. Better yet, the guillotine. Oh yeah, the guillotine. We get uh, gang vocals on yeah, give him rope. We get gang vocals on the last line. Oh yeah, the guillotine. And there's some killer dissonant feedback panned off right after the third yeah, give him rope. And then something absolutely strange happens for the next three lines. The back half of this double pre-chorus number four a tambourine comes in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like An just Easter for egg. those just, just for those three lines. Like <laughs> why there? I have no idea. I have no idea. I it's you know, so but so, cool. like, I'm sure I'm, someone could find out. <laughs> I'm listening to this, Keith, and like by the tenth time, I'm going, why does this part sound different? And it was because nothing mm-hmm. else had changed. Right. It wasn't like a, a, another guitar came in or something. I'm like, what? Why is this? I'm like there's a tambourine. What there. an ear! What an ear! Yeah. I, no one's no no one's picked that out. There's a tambo there, and it's uh, wow. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think this track would call for a tambourine, but it's cool. Hey, you know what? The thing is, it it fits because it's like it's got this you know revolutionary spirit to it, and it kind of reminds you know uh you know like in the '60s and '70s when people were uh you know. There were protests on campuses, and the students, you know, were all peace and love. I mean, that was the that was the age of the tambourine, man. That was a that was the birth of it. So, and tambourine <laughs> rhymes with guillotine. Maybe that's what you guys were going for there. I don't Dude, know. Um, <laughs> I should have used that in the lyrics. <laughs> oh yeah, the tambourine. Yeah, give um, them all a tambourine. Well, now we're getting into what I'm calling bridge two. can't get behind this who hasn't felt this type of angst at some point in their life the lyric is fuck you die fuck you die fuck you die die you're already dead inside you're already dead inside yeah uh i feel like it's another one of those things that just really needed to be said as 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 plainly as possible and i I think that people get a little nervous um about saying something like about expressing that level of anger like i really want you to die 
people are like, oh, I don't want to go there because that's like a, a curse. But it's the, the, the thing is, why wouldn't you go there if you already have, you know, you, you're already in the weeds as far as any sort of redeemable value. Like what yeah. now, now all of a sudden you don't want to, you don't want to touch on this, you know, like, no, let's call it what it is. And this really is very, like I said, plain stated. And I don't, I don't think people should feel bad about being angry for a, a, you know, a good, a righteous cause, you know, and this is, you know, we're dealing now with, like I said, humanitarian issues. These are righteous causes that need anger. So just needs to be harnessed. Well, it, it's definitely angry. This part goes to halftime with some amazing, in my notes I have written, amazing musical acrobatics, because that's what's going on here. It's it's hard to even describe in words what is happening. This, yeah. this whole part is just, it's schizophrenic, but it's all held together. That guitar rift panned off left is happening as the stereo guitars are doing these like these stops and it's just it's just so heavy on the word die you hold out the die over more amazing riffage for six bars before we get to the two lines you're already dead inside the snare goes to double time there and this part just kicks your your rear end it's so so heavy and uh right at the last one you're already dead inside there's a super long snare fill to take us into verse three. We're all trapped on planet shit. Our only hope was in a murdered kid. The one God we had went off the grid. Yeah, so I wanted to do a variation on the first verse, obviously. Um, I, I've always done that. I don't like the idea of like repeating a verse just because it's the same instrumentation. It feels like, ah, I there's, I could tell some more of a story here. Like, why would I want to, why would I want to repeat it? So yeah, at this point, you know, same sentiment, but now is not so much of the exclusion of, of looking at it from the outside. Now, um, you know, the accountability comes in and the acknowledgement that like, look, we're all a part of this and something is, has got to change. And I like that. I like how there's a, there's, there's some of the themes from verse one, mm -hmm. but you altered it enough. Uh, sometimes when you just copy and paste a, a lyric, yeah. it's lazy. It's yeah, lazy totally. to me. Totally. You get, uh, you get the uh, gang vocals on planet shit on murdered kid and on off the grid. And then that two bar guitar riff again, just like every third line of the other verses happens here yeah. before we get into pre-chorus five. Hey, your suicide. Hey, your suicide. Hey, your suicide is our only chance at life. Yeah, again, one of I'm swinging for the fences. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it was just one of those things where I promised myself, I promised myself that I was not going to automatically limit how angry I was. And that doesn't mean that my anger was going to go unchecked. It just means that I was not going to automatically say, no, I can't do that. So if I had an idea, I really needed to convince myself that it, it shouldn't be said. It's irresponsible to be said. It doesn't hold the theme. It's too shocking like i'm not saying this is but these are things i have to consider like sure. is this going to be you know how are people going to respond to this but um that that idea of 
suicide obviously is no joke but the idea of the accountability and ridding yourself of yourself falls in line with the spiritual terms you know it's just a self-sacrifice that none of this is going to work unless everyone is willing to do something for someone other than themselves and other than that self well i didn't write it anywhere in the notes it was somewhere around here though that your voice it kind of cracks a little bit yeah. somewhere in there. And I can tell that you're just, you're maxed out, you know? Yeah. But I'm, I'm yeah. glad you, I'm glad you kept that cause you can feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, uh, and just one of those things where, uh, there's real emotion in, in some of these takes, you know, and that's obviously one of the things that I kind of value most during these processes is to make sure that in all the doubling and in all the layering that, the the soul of the of the vocal is is still there you know so there's obviously there's sometimes and you know on other records i could point you to exact moments where my voice has done something i didn't plan for but it's just you know it's the energy of the song and it feels right and you keep it because the imperfect take is sometimes the perfect take that's why I don't edit my vocals. I yep. can't do it. Yep. I, I let my bass player do it because I'll pick out. I'll. I, I hate. I hate oh, yeah. every little nuance. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, uh, we get now to chorus two, and the band goes halftime again. Whose fucking side are you on? Whose fucking side are you on? When all the lines that were drawn are washed away in blood and you get the gang mm -hmm. on the first line, whose fucking side are you on? And you get it on the last are yep. washed away in blood. The band goes to halftime, like I said, brutally heavy. And right after this, it's that one little break that I'm sure you're back chugging some water real fast during this part live where you actually get four bars. Yeah. It's not a long time. I get to Four breathe. bars <laughs> of a, like a wah pedal guitar mm -hmm. solo that mm -hmm. comes in. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool as hell. It, it <laughs> is cool. It's so cool. <laughs> And then we get into basically it, it's post chorus three, but I'm going to call it the outro here. The blade that cuts through this blade, blade that cuts through their spine has good people on both sides. And the band abruptly ends, as mm. you say, sides. It's yeah. just. It couldn't have ended more perfect. There's no guitars ringing out. It's just like like the Mack truck hit a hit a brick wall. Yeah, that was one of those moments where it was like I came over the line and it just it fit perfectly at the time, you know, with the song and everything. Just I was like, I'm not even gonna think about. I'm not even. That's it. That's done. We're done. We're done. That's yeah. how it ends. Yeah. So. No, it, it's perfect on the line. The blade that cuts through their spine, that bass octave thing happens on spine. Mm -hmm. Just the one time here, there's that drum buildup with the whole band on the whole line. And there's like a super loud wah pedal string bends that are still happening here, kind of carried over from that solo. And uh, yeah, the band abruptly ends. The song is uh, is done. And yeah. I was sitting there the first time I listened to this and went, what just happened? You typically don't get a song Again, four minutes is long. This is a longer this is a longer song to be pummeled that hard, and it's yeah. it's great. Good, yeah, good. <laughs> I, uh, I I feel like 
you know, like I said, personally, just speaking on the lyrics that I accomplished everything I set out to with this song, you know, and I, I think it's really good because it still has this, the spirit in it that it always had. And, um, you know, whether it gets played live or not, you know, that the song could, I think it just is a sign of the times. The song is really appropriate now, you know, so I feel like a lot of people are going to connect that specific song to a very specific time in their lives. Well, I can, I can say this cause I, I have some years on you, but bands that have been around as long as you guys have, don't have the ferocity that right. you guys do on, on album number nine. I got to hand it to you. Thanks, ha- hats man. off it. Thanks, it, it's man. so, it, it's, it's so good. And before we break, uh, anything you'd like to leave the listeners with what, what you got coming up, what's happening? Oh man. Um, nothing yet. Just taking some time relaxing. Um, enjoying uh sobriety and and fatherhood and you know doing all that doing all the fun family stuff i never got to do when i was on tour all the time so good for you um i'm streaming sometimes at official keith buckley uh it's twitch.tv backslash official keith buckley so i'm there once in a while just kind of watching movies or whatever right on man well keith thanks so much for sitting with us today i really appreciate it oh dude my pleasure this was great thanks for having me i broke my own heart i'm trying to give myself I love that episode and I love this band. And Chris and I are going to be talking about Keith, Every Time I Die, and lots of other stuff in the rap segment that's coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to band you might not know at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is American Television, a punk rock band from I don't know where because they didn't tell me. However, they have a song on the Fest 20 vinyl compilation and recently played Fest in Gainesville, Florida. Here's a snippet of their song, Moments.
The Wrap with Chris and Chris. Chris, I got to tell you a quick little story. Uh, back in the day when Punchline was recording, we used to record with this this guy, Mike Ofka. He's like a shredder of a guitar player, but he's a very mellow, subdued fella. And I, me and my band, we never forget this, this moment. We were playing a part in a song that was pretty heavy. <laughs> you know, we were all like psyched about it, all fired up. And I remember Mike, Mike Ofka, like we finished the take and Mike Ofka said in his very like subdued monotone voice, the song makes me want to break something. <laughs> we always, we always laugh about that and quote that to this day. And that is how this song makes me feel. I absolutely love this song. You know, as well as I do, I'm not a big, like heavy music guy. I love the Deftones. I love Glassjaw and I love Every Time I Die. I think this is one of the best heavy songs I've ever heard in my life. And I'm not exaggerating. No, I, I, <laughs> I said it. What band has this kind of uh, ferocity, uh, that, you know, 20 plus years into their career on their ninth album? album um and reading the comments the fans like they're like this band just doesn't skip a beat they don't they they just keep evolving they keep getting heavier and this song just took my head off the first time i listened to it and not and on subsequent listens and at some point as i told keith i had to stop listening to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think you want to listen to it too many times in a row you might lose a little bit of the effect i mean this song gets me fired up if i'm working out or something this song comes on i'm like i'm, I'm putting the treadmill up to 10 miles an hour <laughs> you know like i'm fired up when this song comes on uh, i think this was the first song ever where you're like i i mean you did a good job of like naming the parts but this is kind of the first song where it's like this isn't really a pre-chorus is it this isn't really a chorus it was kind of like you just called them something no because the, nothing really made sense here i mean there was some parts that repeated but they would only repeat half of it or a third of it and there, there's odd time signatures happening and just all this uh, it, it's so much here and it just ne- it's it unrelenting keith never stops Screaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that it would be so much fun to do this song live, but at the same time, real work to do it live as well. Maybe you have to rely on the crowd at a few parts. I don't know. I don't know how he pulls it off. It's it's impressive. Oh, yeah. I, I, I watched a couple live clips, and it, it it's brutal. And even he said this song was a two-dayer. He had to take take his time in doing this because... There's just there's just so much here, and he also said something that was really really poignant. He was just like, "I want to feel it," and he had you have to feel it in order to. I always talk about in order to sell it. The listener's gonna feel it. You know, I can hear vocal takes where my head wasn't in it, and it just doesn't give me those goosebumps. And there's other ones where I go, I, I hit the mark there because I know what I was feeling at that time. It it comes across, Chris. You can't fake this song. This style, no. this song, you can't fake it. You know, that's my complaint with some of the, like the radio rock bands that are real, like everything is like over-processed and everything sounds perfect. First of all, this song couldn't be that way. Just the structured arrangement of this song, it couldn't be that way. But his vocal, his delivery and the emotion behind that delivery is really the icing on the cake in this song. Um, I love that you got into kind of started the whole conversation out with asking him how he goes about writing in his position. If his band is doing the music and he's doing, you know, the top line melody and, you know, 
you know, there there is a certain amount of melody in this. I know it's a screamed song, but I think that's why I like Every Time I Die and those other, you know, I mentioned Deftones and Glassjaw. I like those bands because there is, it's still an element of that. And sometimes my complaint with hardcore music is like, ah, there's not like enough melody there for me. But I thought it was interesting how you got into how he goes about doing that. And especially with the lyrics too, and what he said, which I think is important, especially if you're just the singer of a band, but really for anybody is just always be writing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's in your phone or on a notepad or whatever, always be writing. So you don't have to on the spot necessarily come up with it. You can reference something that you've thought or felt before. Yeah. He said he, he referenced his, his notepads and went, yeah, this, this kind of fits the vibe of this song. And you know, this, this track, okay. If my grandfather was still alive, he would hear this. <laughs> and go, oh, this is no talent. It's a bunch of screaming, you know, for the listeners, you, you don't realize even if you don't like this kind of music, the the breadth of talent that goes into this. Okay, first of all, the musicians playing the, the, the tracks on this, they're killing it. The parts are so innovative. And again, if you were to give just this instrumental track to five different vocalists, they would all come up with something different. Okay, the fact that Keith came up with this, and I mentioned in the episode, he could have sang on these lines instead of here. And it's like, no, he, he has it in his head how it's supposed to go. And it's truly an art form. It's great. And I really liked hearing him talk about the lyrics of the song. I felt like I'm very like-minded to him. I've always got that sense from their music. Uh, You know, since I was a kid, I loved Rage Against the Machine. And all through, I always respect the bands that will comment on what's going on in the world. Keith said he thought it would be irresponsible to pretend we're not in the midst of this cultural collapse. He he referenced a riot at the Capitol before it happened. It was he predicted that in song. I thought that was incredible. Yeah, it is. And and what else is incredible is you know that's the the beauty of music. We talked about this how many times, Chris? That you everyone can interpret a lyric differently. And even if you were just completely naive of what this song was about, as a young angsty person, who can't get behind a lot of these lyrics? It's like you know almost anthemic at points. And just this was the perfect lyric for this song. He couldn't have picked anything else that would have been better than this, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was cool how eloquently he spoke about those lines where he said, yeah, I pushed it as far. I mean, you're talking about lines like, fuck you, die, and like, you know, really really taking it as far as it can go, like the guttural, raw emotion that you feel like, yeah, you don't want someone to actually die, but sometimes you feel like you want to scream that, right? And I feel like... I don't think he did that irresponsibly. He's, he speaks about what he was feeling, and I I love it, man. I think it's amazing. I love that he said that you shouldn't feel bad for being angry for righteous causes. You know, once again, like you said, Chris, you could listen to this song without – you could listen to this song in a void where everything going on in the world – <laughs> isn't happening and still feel that emotion when you when you're angry like this is a go-to song for me when i'm feeling like that that feeling you could play this for someone on the other side of the world doesn't speak english and they would feel that <laughs> that anger and that passion and hey one more uh, shout out for producer will putney and who mixed this i mean they couldn't have picked anybody better in my opinion the, the track is just brutal it's it i said at the top it, it the guitars sound sinister they sound nasty the whole production's great Sounds incredible in my car. You know, the car test. <laughs> you yeah. know, I've, I've had this all the way up, probably risking blowing my speakers. <laughs> you know, maybe mad, maybe just like just feeling it. It comes on shuffle and I'm like, damn, I'm feeling this. So 
Yeah, it sounds amazing. Chris, you were the first person to ever point out the tambourine in the song. <laughs> you got to feel special, right? It's only for those three lines. I'm like, why is there a tambourine here? Like, yeah. it, it <laughs> on paper, it makes zero sense, but it works perfectly. It's great. It's chaotic, and it's everything that I personally think is good about heavy music. I think it's awesome, man. Absolutely. And you know, Chris, what else sounds great coming through a car stereo? Uh, I would say that would probably be our after party podcast how the heck did you know that my gosh yeah if you go to kristamakes.com you could sign up for our supporting cast supporting cast is basically like a patreon most people know what a patreon is it's like the same sort of thing but you get a bonus episode of our podcast called the after party every week sometimes we go back in history to talk about music sometimes we talk about our personal experiences with music basically it's a lot of fun and you gain a lot of knowledge from it and most importantly Aside from the huge back catalog of episodes and the weekly episode of The After Party, you're supporting the podcast that you love, a.k.a. our podcast, Krista Makes a Podcast. And um, we really appreciate the support. A lot of people tell us how much they love The After Party, and that means a lot to us because we put a lot of love into it. Absolutely. So once again, that's KristaMakes.com if you haven't signed up. And hey, it's you, the listeners, who have gotten us to where we're at. I hear all the time you're always writing us, hey, I've told my friend about this. I told my buddy. If you know someone that loves music, please turn them on to this podcast. We love your help and support. If you haven't already, please join the Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group. It's a lot of fun in there. Give me a follow on Instagram as well at Less Than Chris D. And I want to thank this week's guest, Keith Buckley, for sitting in with us. And we'll see you next week. Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.